The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Law is brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network, home to the industry's most satisfied advisors. Prepare to be swept off your feet by the broker-dealer RIA that's been putting relationships first since 1979. Visit Commonwealth.com. June. Thanks, Greg. Tricks from the master. That's what David Liu typed in a chat after working with a colleague at Deutsche Bank to move gold future prices while Liu executed a trade. In the course of a year, Liu and his colleagues used fake orders more than 50 times to try to manipulate prices, an illegal practice called spoofing, placing orders he intended to cancel in an attempt to manipulate the price. Soon Liu can type tricks from the cooperator into his chats. After pleading guilty to fraud, he's become a prime government witness for federal prosecutors investigating whether traders at the world's biggest banks conspired to manipulate prices in precious metals. Our guest is an expert in the area, Professor John Coffey of Columbia Law School. Jack, the Justice Department began looking into spoofing activities at a dozen of the biggest global banks about two years ago. So how big is this cooperation deal? Well, this is the classic pattern for enforcement, that you move up the food chain. You take the lower-ranking trader, you offer him a deal, threaten him with potentially a prison sentence, because this could be even criminally enforced, uh, at least you threaten to throw him out of the industry, and then give him a chance to cooperate and name the higher-ups who uh, directed him. Uh, And again, the government seems to feel that this goes above these individual traders, that someone higher up wanted the firm to engage in spoofing. Jack, at risk of asking a stupid question, I'm going to ask uh, ask this question. So as I understand it, in the the, uh, court papers, uh, Deutsche Bank wasn't identified by name, just just as Bank A. And then uh, Bloomberg subsequently wrote a story saying we confirmed that it was Deutsche Bank. Is that at all unusual? Is there anything we can glean from the fact that they didn't uh, actually name Deutsche Bank? No, I don't think it's that unusual. You often try to keep the name uh, of the of a major bank out of the uh, court papers until you're really sure you're going after them. Their probable immediate target is to go after vice presidents and head traders and whoever was running the division. Uh, then they may ask the bank whether it will take corrective action. There'll be a negotiation whether or not they will make the bank also a defendant. Jack, from what I've read, it seems as if there was almost a training program at the bank in how to spoof. This guy says he learned from other people, and then he taught others. You know, it's not, uh, it is a prevalent practice. Uh, until recently, it wasn't even clearly illegal. Uh, it's only with the Dodd-Frank Act in 2010 that Congress clearly defined spoofing on the commodities markets uh, as illegal. And they defined spoofing to mean uh, the placement of buy or sell orders with a clear intent to cancel those orders before they're executed. That was to create this misleading impression that there was either great demand or that there was price movement headed in one direction, and that was to induce the other side to move its own prices up so that the spoofer could, in effect, sell at an inflated price or buy at a decreased price. 
You know, as you describe it, that sort of sounds like a sort of a classic practice I would have expected to always be be illegal. Um, is, is, am I missing something here? Well, it's partly the difference between the derivatives markets and the securities markets. You can find SEC cases that were called anti-manipulation cases that go back to 2001 or two, But there was no ability to litigate this in the commodities markets, which was much more of a sophisticated market of interacting professionals. And it was only with Dodd-Frank that spoofing became illegal. And we've had some criminal cases now. In, in the leading criminal case, you found that the trader actually put in four 400,000 orders within a few-month period and managed to cancel 98% of them. Uh, so they didn't have to ever pay on his buy-or-sell offers, but he could convince the market to change its prices. Probably what you need to understand is this is a new kind of fraud because it's really aimed at fooling the computer on the other side. High-speed traders today use algorithms that they program these algorithms into their computer, and they make buy-or-sell decisions in literally a millisecond. Uh, and those kind of decisions can be influenced by an apparent flood of new buy-or-sell offers, even though they've not been executed. And that's essentially what's been going on. And in this world in which the computer is being changed, uh, the government is now coming in to protect the side that's relying on their computer. Jack, prosecutors are apparently looking beyond precious metals trading and planning more criminal spoofing charges against Wall Street traders across the markets. What do you know about that? Well, of course, the, the SEC has used its favorite weapon, Rule 10b-5, for probably a dozen or more years against spoofing, although there they've called it anti-manipulation. It's the same behavior, whether you're dealing it in the commodities markets, whether you're dealing it in swaps, or whether you're dealing in securities, the attempt to put in an order that deliberately deceives the other side into believing there's great market depth or that there is real price movement going in one direction. There's no social benefit in all that, and I don't know that anything is being chilled that's at all socially desirable. Again, I pointed out to you that in the Koskia case a few years ago, he put in 400,000 such orders and canceled 98% of them. Uh, that really does misinform the market. About 30 seconds, Jack, but I have to ask you this. Lou wrote in a chat to a trader, look at silver. Basically, I sold out by just having fake bids. Why are they still putting these things in chats? Well, I, I mean, I think that uh, traders often aren't the most law-compliant people. They only learn to stop doing something when they see one of their fellows uh, indicted or otherwise prosecuted. We have just seen even more egregious behavior in the attempt to manipulate the LIBOR market or the Eurobor market or other index markets. In all of these markets, uh, the traders only respond once they see actual prosecutions. I'm afraid the law on the books doesn't motivate everybody, but a few indictments does. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Jack Coffey of Columbia Law School. Coming up, when does collusion with the foreign government become a crime under campaign finance law? The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.